Well, welcome to Open Outcry, where we roll from the close of the US trading into the new trading session, where we take the pulse of the financial markets, assessing the key themes, the views, the flows, the movers and shakers to help traders and investors efficiently navigate markets and risk. Open Outcry is, of course, an antiquated relic of the financial system. It is therefore fitting to have two dinosaurs of the trading world, Mr. Scott Redford, Pepperstone's head of product and senior member of the Flowdesk, myself, Chris Weston, head of research, as your guests and hosts today. Mr. Redford, how goes it today? What's going on in your world? Morning, Chris. Yeah, going very well. Thanks, mate. Um, recovering from a big weekend here in Melbourne. Um, people out and about, 90,000 at the MCG on Sunday night. That would have been um, awesome. Did you go? No, I didn't go. I regretted it, mate. As I was sitting in there on the couch watching, I don't know why I didn't go. But yeah, it had it all, didn't it? That match, controversial calls, big comebacks, huge crowd, massive rivalry. So yeah, it looked like great fun. Coley got fantastic. it done. Yeah, Coley got it done. King Coley. <clears throat> Um, fantastic stuff, yeah, and obviously a huge result for uh, the Kiwis up there in Sydney uh, um, the night before, which was pretty exciting. But you know, you can't get too carried away. You can't, mate. Tell, tell, me about these, you know. tell me about these band things because you're you're obviously far cooler than I am, um, and 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 you play in a band and you play gigs and, and bits and pieces. So you uh, you rocking it over the weekend in in Melbourne, and I think you've got one coming up, haven't you, in the band? We uh, we played yeah last Friday we played um up in the hills Belgrave which was fantastic you always get some real characters turning up there we had a couple <laughs> of guys couple of guys rolling on the floor at one stage and, nice. you know if you can get someone rolling on the floor is that is that sort of overzealous headbanging or I guess so yeah well it's sort of smoother form of headbanging isn't it yeah more more <laughs> in, more in touch with Mother Earth I guess yeah and right. you know yeah it makes it worth the trip really when you see something like that happening doesn't it but yeah we're off to um a festival in Puwong. This weekend, not to right. be confused with um, Kuyong Lawn Kuyong Tennis. tennis yeah. yeah, that's right. I yeah. can't imagine you playing it uh, at the tennis. <laughs> oh, well, you know, maybe back in the day. But yeah, um, yeah. so out at Puwong this weekend, so let's hope the rain holds off, you know. But yeah, you're welcome to join us, mate. Have you got a tent? Mate, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, no, I'll, I'll be looking at hotels. Glamping. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah so it's, uh, and you've got, uh, your uncles and and Karen's uncles quite into the band scene, isn't it? He, he is, yeah, 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 um, yeah. No longer with us, uh, Uncle uh, Uncle Willie, but yeah, a real uh, amazing character. I just read an amazing thing about him this morning. You remember Bar- Mark Bolan from T Rex, of course. He. Um, so what are we talking? We're talking. What was what was the the best song T Rex? Twentieth Century Boy. Yeah, Hot Love, the Revolution. Get it on. Get it yeah, on. It's a long list. It's a long list. Um, yeah, he he was at a party with with Uncle Willie, and um, invited him to come back to his house to carry on. Uncle Willie said no, and that was the night that um, Boland's car crashed, and he and he sadly passed away. So yeah, who would have thought? Wow, nice it's a claim to fame. Yeah, T Rex, get it on. Nineteen seventy one, nine years before my uh, my uh, my born in birth into the world, but. Uh, one of the uh, one of the big one of the big bands at the moment. So uh, yeah, claim to fame that one. Um, anyway, let's yeah, uh, let's a crack on. There's, there's a there's, there's yeah, a lot of like, there's there's a lot of stuff going on in the market. So let's talk less less rubbish band. <laughs> let's get straight. <laughs> let's go around the crowns, mate. Um, equities rallied in the US overnight. The Dow finished up one point three percent. S and P up one point two. Um, we saw similar strength in Europe. Markets pushing higher, um, particularly early in the session. Um, the DAX ended up 1.6%. FTSE up about 0.6%. It was quite um, an extraordinary session in Asia mm. with moves the likes of which we haven't seen for many years uh, following a tightening of power in China. Hang Seng finished down 6% in the cash and the futures market did continue to slide. 
Um, meanwhile, ASX finished up 1.5%. No doubt we'll come back to that. Um, the hang tank that is, not the ASX. Uh, looking into what drove the S&P, we see healthcare at the top, up almost 2%. The likes of Moderna featuring there. The material sector lagging off 0.6%. FX, you may look at those end-of-day moves and, and think it was a fairly boring session, but boy, would you be wrong? You would uh, be wrong. Dolly N, yeah, dollar yen most notably dropped over 300 pips on um, what turned out to be a massive BOJ intervention um, before fairly swiftly recovering the whole move. Um, to commodities, where action was relatively dull, although European natural gas markets did see big drops, some contracts even trading below zero. Um, rates and bonds, Chris, talk to me. Well, I think that China move was insane, wasn't it, yesterday? Mm. Um, I think it's overdone. I think it's overdone. We'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, we've got a bit of a calmer session coming through. There it was some big reversals playing through once again. I mean, the net change, what we've seen is US 2's, US 2-year treasuries up three basis points at, at 450. You've got the 10-year trading at 424, up three basis points. You've got uh, five-year real rates pretty much. Oh, up a couple of basis points at 164. Remember, they're stuck in that sort of 2%, 150 range. I think that's a really, really important market to focus on. Um, I think if we get a break of 2% in real rates, then yeah, equities probably trade through 3,600. If we were to break 150 on the downside, I think that would be the key for, for a market to, to, to move nicely higher. Um, if we have a look at the UK, obviously, <clears throat> Sunak is, uh, has got the gig, um, the market's favourite, the market's preferred choice. Uh, we can see 30-year gilts down 30 basis points, a, a big move there down at 375. And you can see 10-year gilts at, uh, down 31 at 374. Uh, we are watching Japan. We continue to watch that one very closely. You know, the, the JGB 10-year trading top end of the range there at 25.5 basis points, something the market is, is testing there. And we can see... Um, yeah, one really that, that everyone should be focused on, especially if you're trading U, uh, euro dollar, um, is the um, the Italian um, versus um, German spread at the moment. So I think that's that's something that we really need to keep an eye on. Uh, that actually pushed uh, a little bit wider last night, so we're one we're, one we're watching there. Um, we are watching uh, what's happened in in German bunds, ten year bunds, two thirty three uh, down nine basis points. So a little bit of spread widening um, against what's happening in the U in US. So an interesting one. Um, I think in terms of rates, what are we watching here? We are seeing the next uh, rate hike uh, in the US uh, on the second of November. Markets crossing seventy seven basis points, December sixty two basis points. Uh, so that's when it starts getting interesting. We then die down to drop down to a, a more sort of sanguine thirty five basis points in February. The uh, the sort of loose pivot is in place. People have sort of feeding off that what we saw on Friday. Um, in Australia, first November, we get the uh, we get the next uh, central bank meeting. The market's pricing twenty seven basis points. Of course, we've got our eyes on Australian inflation tomorrow. We keep an eye on that. See if there's any kind of changes. It's going to have to be a big one to uh, to make the market think that we could get fifty basis points. Um, mm. In the UK, of course. Uh, we've got our eyes on on the third of November being Bank of England meeting. The market is pricing that at eighty basis points of tightening. Uh, so yeah, really sort of come down from what we were, you know, hundred basis points. Now the market is saying probably on balance we're likely to get a seventy five basis point hike coming through there. Uh, and in Europe, the next one ECB meeting obviously is this week. Uh, we're firmly expecting a seventy five basis point hike coming through there. I still think you've got to keep an eye on those Italian German bund spreads. If you're trading euro, I think if we were to see Italian yields widen and move higher relative to bund that's going to put downside pressure and vice versa if we were to see it tightening uh, I think that's going to be a key one to look at there Scott 
Excellent. Yeah, thank you, mate. And let's delve a little deeper into what's causing the moves, uh, particularly around. So, I mean, let's start with China. It was quite an amazing session yesterday. Um, and of course, you know, it's not going to be just a one day thing. So you you mentioned that you, you think it's overdone. Um, what, what do you see um, eventuating over the next couple of days? Well, there was a massive liquidation. I mean, if you go into the northbound connect, so this is the, the capital flows that you see moving from um, you know, China to Hong Kong. Effectively, you know, we saw two and a half billion uh, US dollars worth of flow coming through there, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it actually is. And it's, it's a record amount. And it's probably part of the reason why we saw dollar CNH having such, uh, the offshore yuan having probably it's one of its biggest intraday reversals for a couple of years. So, you know, I think that the fact that the US dollar rallied against the, uh, against the offshore yuan is part of the reason why the Aussie dollar has fallen so sharply there. You know, you see this big inverse co- correlation between yeah, the Aussie and the yuan effectively. Um, but I think that's what you've seen a big liquidation there. I think it's because of what we saw that, well, I think everyone's made the, the assumption that it's the leadership changes that have taken place and the fact that you know the people that he's brought, brought into his inner sanctum are all massive fans of, of, of Xi um, and effectively what you're doing by putting people in who are um, you know, fanboys effectively is you're removing checks and balances so policy going forward you know if if if, if if she wants some some policies to be put to be enacted on the fiscal measures, um, you know, it's not going to be particularly hard to get through. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that that's the concern that the market's got. Perhaps with the old guard, um, you know, there would have been some some people questioning those, those measures, and then for you know anything that got really enacted was was probably in the best best interests and and really cleverly thought through. I think the market has shown that they're quite concerned about that concentration of power. Uh, there was some data that came in. So I don't think it was overly that bad, but I think this was a liquidation. Whether that, you know, we, we get a further flush out today is another factor. But, you know, we, what we saw were, were incredibly, incredibly pronounced moves. Now, tactically, if you go back to March, that was probably the last time we saw a move of this sort of magnitude playing through in the H shares and in the Hang Seng. The next day in the in, in Xinhua news, uh, there was... Um, yeah, a headline basically quoting the vice vice president at the time, um, saying that they wanted to see stable equity prices, and of course the equity market had one of the biggest one day rallies that we've seen for years as well. So I'm on the, I'm on the guard today, like everyone else, to see if there's any kind of headlines that come out and saying they want stable prices, because what they don't want to see is 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 moves like that. What we saw yesterday, and I think she at the end of the day is going to sit there and go, you know, is this is this is this a voting mechanism on my leadership? Yeah, I don't want to see this. I want to show that people that, that, that the market sees power in my move. So I think that there's a very high chance that over the next day or two that we're going to see headlines that are that are appeasing market moves. And I think the market could rally on the back of that. So that tactically is why, but obviously it's a brave situation. I mean, we've seen such aggressive moves. The, um, the China Golden Dragon Index, which obviously looks at China tech companies that are listed offshore in the US, you know, had its biggest one-day fall overnight, down 14.5%. So, yeah, is there more uh, more to come? Um, that's going to be the issue. Now, the question I'm throwing back to you, Scott. Now, I, I see a, a tactical rally playing through. Um, it's a brave one. Um, so, mm. position sizing minimal, um, and you probably don't need huge position sizing. We can get an 8% rally potentially on, on, on this. But uh, how are we seeing client flow at the moment? In terms of let's say the HK50, the H shares, some of the uh, the China centric indexes we offer. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of flow on them. Of course, really popular yesterday. The index, um, the indices, as as well as Hong Kong stocks, which we've recently launched. Mm. Um, I'm seeing it, you know, actually swing back and forth as we speak. I was I was actually about to say to you that clients are short, and I, I look up at the screen and clients are now long. Um, 
despite the market being closed, we do have a, a uh, an ongoing twenty four hour price. Mm. So this isn't supposed. To, I know this isn't supposed to be a sales thing, but just explaining why we're seeing moves in the market despite it being closed. Um, so yeah, I, th- I, d- I it, it's always sort of a boring answer to see say that clients are evenly positioned, isn't it? But that that's yeah. the fact of it at the moment is that some of saying the trend is their friend and um, the move isn't done yet, especially considering those overnight moves in summer. You're yeah. positioning for that for that bounce back, as you say. Well, I'm looking for headlines. Dollar CNH, put it on your radar because I think yeah that that had a huge move up. And as the dollar appreciated against the yuan, we saw you know the dollar rally nicely against some of the uh, sort of China proxies like the Aussie and the Kiwi. So I think that's um, you know if that reverses today, the dollar was to sell off. I'm not saying it's going to then. Then of course mm. I think you know that could have big implications for the Aussie. So I'm not looking at the Aussie as a as a domestic vehicle. This is purely about China at the moment. You know if China your equities rally, Aussie's going to rally. If dollar CNH um, you know, is the fall, you know, then then I think, yeah, the Aussie rallies in that situation and vice versa. Mm, I like that setup. Yeah, okay. Um, let's have a look, following on from that at US equities. I mean, normally when you'd see a massive move like that in China or anywhere, then it would um, it would catch on in the rest of the market. So it appears that it was, to a large extent, ignored by markets, as we said, you know, US, Europe was steadily higher. Um why is that? I've seen midterm elections mentioned as, as a factor, earnings are due. Why, why do you think that is? Um, I don't think uh, the midterm elections in some ways is positive. You know, it mm. looks like, um, and this is not a political view, it's just the betting markets is guiding, that, that we may see the Republicans take both both chambers of Congress. Now, that is a small positive because, you know, obviously Biden is in the White House. But what it does is it is it helps alleviate some of the future issues with continuous resolution with the idea of a debt ceiling. Um, you know, if we were to get both chambers filled with Republicans, the House and the Senate, then, you know, effectively, it's really only Biden Biden, who could veto that situation, um, you know, it just makes that passage a little bit smoother and less problematic in the future. So, at the margin, that's somewhat positive. But obviously, you know, it's a precursor to what could happen in the next election. Of course, where you know uh, Trump seems to be the uh, the favourite in the market size or the betting market size, should we say? Um, but I think this is really down positioning. I mean, I think you know it would have been nice to see a break of thirty eight twenty in S and P futures. That would have really propelled the market higher. We sold off into that level. That was the recent highs that we saw. Um, you know what we saw on the day though: eighty two percent of stocks higher in the S and P. So. It, yeah, they're, they're saying China is a, as a, as an idiosyncratic issue. This is about the leadership and it's about the checks and balances or the removal of some of the checks and balances playing through. This is not necessarily about China's economic situation. If it was about China's economics, then I think maybe you would have seen copper down more. You would have seen um, you know, commodities down more, you know, crude down more. You would have seen you know, a lot more sort of the materials plays getting hit. The material sector in the S&P was only down 0.6%. This is about leadership. And as I say, if we snap back today, then then you know a lot of that's down. Um, you know, a lot of that's forgotten. So I think the US is looking at you know, Fed policy, you know, sentiment, positioning, all that kind of stuff, rather than you know China leadership issues. So that's the way I'm seeing it. Any 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 counter views to that, Scott? No, no, I think that's a really good point. I mean, it's it's just so unusual, isn't it, to see such a, a big isolated move on the screens um, and other markets up? But no, I think you've summed it up really well in in, in terms of. Being not a, not an economic situation, but a but a leadership, leadership yeah. situation. There's so yeah. many people calling for a tactical rally in the S and P at the moment. You know, whether it happens is is obviously yet to be seen. I think a break of thirty eight twenty really helps you move up, and and yeah, maybe then we look into four thousand, maybe into four thousand one hundred. You know, we've got Google coming out with with earnings in the session ahead. That still looks pretty good. You know, everyone wants to own Google, but there's just you know it's difficult to do so in this kind of macro backdrop at the moment. It's putting a really nice sort of bottom. 
uh, into the market at the moment around sort of 100. I think it needs to break 103.50 and it's off. And you know, that, that would be a good stock to look at as a momentum play. Um, mm. You know, we, we cast off back to the last quarterly earnings in Google. The stock was up over nearly, well, uh, nearly up 8%. And if you look at the implied volatility in Google, we're pricing in about a 6% move on the day. So that's one for the for the stock traders. Um, what else have we got? We've got Microsoft coming out in the session ahead after hours. It's another stock we'll probably see a bit of business in, I'd imagine. Um, yeah. yeah, the market's pricing in what? About a five six percent move on the day, and that one, you know, this is this is one again that, that's had a nice move up from around two twenty into two forty seven. So, yeah, one that I'm looking at very closely. Both these stocks could be quite influential uh, on the tape in, in the session ahead. So, I think yeah, earnings. While we're looking backwards at the earning the session that's been, um, you know, I think when you when you've got these kind of the big ballers coming out, then then the uh, you know the Nasdaq and the the, the S and P could be pretty lively in the after hour session. So, are you uh, yeah. how are you seeing that situation? No, it's a big one, isn't it? I mean, even further down the list, you've got General Motors, GE, you know, obviously not as big as it used to be, even the likes of Spotify, um, you know, not huge in terms of market cap, but they can be great indicators, can't they, of the way things are heading. Um, do you think if we, if we see China continue to drop, especially some of the big names like Tencent and Alibaba, then at a certain stage it does catch on and the fear starts to spread a little bit or are you not really concerned? Um. Yeah, well, I think it's probably, let's see the rhetoric that comes out from the, the Chinese authorities at the end of the day. Mm. I mean, they, they know just as any any other central bank that there is a feedback loop between equity prices and, and the real economy, probably less defined in China than you would see in the US. But um, um, yeah, they, they, the, the, the Hang Seng and the hate shares and, and the Chinese equity markets are in steep bear markets at the moment. And, you know, I think... I don't think necessarily that Chinese authorities are too concerned with the direction. It's the pace of direction. It's the mm. pace of change that they're really interested in. There is, yeah, this is a momentum move. A momentum is a vector, right? So you've got, it has to go in one direction, but it's the rate of change that's most important. And right now that rate of change is, 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 is huge. And that's the thing that they'll need to step in front of. And that sort of plays into my view because, yeah, as I say, I don't think there's a problem necessarily with deflating asset prices, but when they're in, you know, when it's kind of falling out of bed, that's something that they will want to step in front of because it causes, yeah, it causes a change in in behaviours and, and factors. So I think that's 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 kind of playing into my tactical bounce. The question is, is when it comes. I think it does come. It's a question mm -hmm. if it's today or whether it's tomorrow. I think it's it, yeah, something that we're going to probably see a lot more sort of on the buy flow. I'd imagine coming through there. Okay, interesting. Okay, let's move on. The next point is uh, the yen intervention. Yes, so it was reported. Um, in the afternoon is one of the biggest in the BOJ's history, but are we considering it a, a failure? Oh, I, well, <laughs> it's, uh, do you know what? They, I think, well, they, they, they intervened 20 billion in September. That caused a five yen move. Uh, they did it last week. I think they were talking about 30 billion. Um, you know, in, in, in the twilight zone yesterday, they, they caused a 400, uh, a four yen move. Um, and it didn't take long before it came straight back again. So, mm. I mean, you know, I'm just plucking numbers out of the air, but you're sort of talking 60 billion US dollars um, and, and dollar yen still pushing 148, 149 at the moment. Uh, is that a failure? I don't know. I mean, what, yeah, what would life look like if it, if it wasn't like that? The problem you've got is they've got this kind of circular movement is, is the way that they go about intervening is they have all these, these coupons, these treasury um, holdings, which they sell down. 
Um, and of course, when they're selling their treasury holdings so they can get dollars, so they can go and flood the system with dollars and obviously buy back yen, um, is, is it causes yields to move higher. And of course, that has then the perpetuation thing of, of, of adding carry to the market effectively, and, and people want the income from, from higher treasury yields effectively. So by selling out to get the dollars, they push treasury yields higher, which makes the dollar more attractive. <laughs> so everyone just buys the dip, right? So it's kind of like self-defeating in itself and um, so yeah we're back up at one 149 yesterday's move was 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 aggressive um but it came straight back again so you know um, that, that's the issue i think in in a world of carry and, and and volatility adjusted carry and central bank divergence and the bank of japan staying uber dovish everyone just wants to buy weakness in in, in these in intervention moves so the question i'll throw it back to you scott you know as, as, as someone who's holding a I'm not saying you're holding it, but for, for people holding long uh, or short yen positions or long dollar yen, sterling yen, all these kind of crosses, and you see these big moves, you're fighting against the tide. You get these really big, big moves, which, of course, if you're adding 100 to 1, 200 to 1 leverage can be pretty painful, right? Um, but then it comes back again. So, you know, do you hold those positions? Should you just move away from the yen because you've just got the, the threat of intervention playing over your head? How do you do it? Yeah, or is it about you know setting your stops and indeed your limits wisely, trying to take advantage of these moves and and take some profits as soon as you you know see the move rather than running things as you as you maybe normally would. Yeah. So you um, you, what was the what's the sort of uh, the view on on the yen? I know everyone's sort of doing different things. You got scalping flow in there, and this is a snapshot right now of what you're seeing. You got swing swing funds. You got momentum. You know, day trading sort of positions. Um, so it's kind of hodgepodge of all different positions. But the net exposure, sort of the net net view from clients, should we say, on the yen is 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 how's that positioned? Net view at the moment is short dollar yen. Um, Short dollars, long yen, long Aussie dollars, um, you know, unrelated. Well, some related, but yeah, short dollar yen again is the view. So are, are, they, are clients waiting for more action from the BOJ? Are they or are they thinking that's going to come back off from the, from the rebound? I don't know, but that's how they're positioned at the moment. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I'm guessing not many of them are looking at the terminal rate and saying, well, you know, we're, we're, we've found a, found a ceiling in, in the US Fed funds terminal rate. So the market, you know, it was as validated that you know, it's going to take, a, it's going to take a new news, new inflation regime to break us above 5%, which therefore, you know, given there's been a strong correlation between Fed funds terminal pricing and, and dollar yen, um, I, I guess they're probably not looking at that, um, but that that's you know, what a lot of sort of the insto traders and, and funds are looking at to try and get a valuation of dollar yen and whether we can break convincingly above 150. Um, I, I would suspect that the intervention situation works well because there's nothing better, is there, than 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 being short dollar yen, you know, 100 to one, 200 to one leverage, and then oh. Oh, there it goes! Bang, sitting on a nice ten <laughs> grand profit. And uh, you know, the question yeah, but... then is, is, is how do you get out of the trade? You've got to be pretty cute uh, to time intervention, like we saw yesterday. I mean, it dropped four hundred pips, and and within you know fifteen minutes or so, it's back up again. So, you know, where do you get out on an intervention move? Um, yeah, either you you've know, got a limit set, a certain amount of points that you're happy to take, or yeah, you've got to act quickly, don't you? You do. I mean, the, this would have gone straight through a lot of people's profit targets. Um, mm. If you trade with profit targets, um, depending on the strategy, if you're scalping, you might have a 20, 30 points uh, limit or effectively to take take profits on that. But again, I mean, there's, there's it's not something necessary that people 
you know, have been brought up trading and, and learning to trade is into <laughs> Bank of Japan intervention moves where they're buying the Japanese yen. We're, yeah, this, this, this is so infrequent that there's an art form in this in itself. So, you know, I, I think that for, for people who love that instant gratification of, of, of a 400 yen move, 400 point move, um, yeah. yeah, there's there's a science in in how you you know timing it, but also where you where you take the take the um the profit on this situation. So, yeah, I, I'd be going in now. I'd be sort of running a, a 300 point limit on the trades because you know the the average of these moves has been around about sort of 350 400 um and then just hoping that uh, you know get, get gets the gets the fill and it and it's pronounced enough so that's where I'd probably be trading it but I probably wouldn't be trading intervention in myself to be honest let's mm, mm. lastly just touch on um British politics again, um, sort of as expected, as largely priced in. Rishi Sunak, new PM. I mean, he's—I think he's the same age as you, and he was in, um, you know, London, London banking circles in the early two thousand. So I wouldn't be surprised if you'd cross paths at some stage. Yeah. Um, well, he's the first uh, first Goldman Sachs um, alumni um, prime minister that we've had now. Forty two years old. Yeah. He's. Uh, I want to say he's looking better, like you know, better shape. He's definitely in better shape than I am. Um, oh, especially the. Uh, have you seen the uh, the the Rishi Sunak um, emo or a GIF? I think they call it GIFs, where he's dancing on the beach. It's obviously not him, but you know, it's, uh, he's obviously <laughs> he's pretty well. But yeah, I think he's worth what one point three billion dollars or something. So. First billionaire. There's been a lot made of the fact that he's supposedly twice as rich as the king. So this is a first. <laughs> yeah, good on him. Well done. Um, but yeah, I think he's like the, the sixth prime minister that we've had from Oxford now. So I think ultimately the market wanted to see a Sunak um, appoint, appointment as, as prime minister. He's considered the sort of more fiscal prudent um, person, the person more in touch with the markets. That's not a political view. I think that's the market, what, what, what they wanted. And yeah, I don't mm -hmm. think he's necessarily going to be able to unite the Tory party. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of where the markets were at, that what, what they really wanted to see was um, Jeremy Hunt maintaining a position as Chancellor and ultimately next week's budget is going to be handed down uh, as planned without any kind of major changes where the market's expecting some some spending cuts to come through, some more taxations and effectively trying to close the deficit that we've been seeing and a more uh, a, a Prime Minister effectively more in touch with the financial markets, which of course Sunak is. Um, no, I think the love was was shortly lived, uh, short lived, and we saw him move up into sort of one fourteen, came back a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately now, if you're gonna if you're gonna express a view on the pound, you've got to be doing it against the euro and against the crosses, because otherwise, you know, sterling dollar is just a sentiment play. It's really just where equity markets go. It's about you know what happens with the broad dollar situation, Fed funds, all those those factors. So, you know, cable came off, but I don't necessarily think that was a reflection of what we're seeing with Sunak. I think that was just a reflection of, um, yeah, the dollar flows on dollar CNH and. and other factors there as well. So it's a risk on risk off currency, uh, different beta from the equity markets and those factors as well. Uh, I think the, the the political situation isn't going away, um, but I think a lot of the, uh, the the risk premium has been priced out the pound for now. Let's mm. keep an eye on the um, on, on the fiscal statement next Monday, uh, this coming Monday, should we say, and also the OBR's forecast as well. I think that, that, that could be where we might see a little bit of volatility playing through. What do you think? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the market's sort of seeing it um, to an extent as a, a steady hand, a la uh, John Key <laughs> back yeah. in the, the circa 2010, aren't they? But yeah, it sort of feels like calm after a storm for now and, and waiting for the next storyline to develop. Yeah. One, um, to, one, to keep, one to keep an eye on. I think a general election in, is going to happen before 2025. I don't see any reason why it won't. Um, but is he the man he's going to... Is he going to take it to Keir Starmer? Another question for another time. I don't think it's necessarily a markets issue now. Uh, we've mm. got our eyes on, on on other factors, but you know, like ultimately, 
yeah, the guilt market seems to like it. If guilt yields can continue to fall, I think that would be quite positive for the pound and keep it, keep it relatively supported, certainly against the euro and against the crosses there. So something to watch. Let's look ahead. Uh, we, we chatted earnings. Um, also, consumer confidence in the US tonight and the Australian budget later on. Either of those things jumping out to you? Consumer confidence will be interesting, expecting that just over 105 to pull back a little bit. Um, obviously, the US can't lose the consumer, but there are some 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 issues, some some reasons to believe it should hold up okay. But the budget's not looking at that at all, to be honest. I, mm. You'd expect um, some fairly sweeping changes at the moment, but uh, I don't think necessarily uh, it's going to be an... Uh, it's, I, well, I actually feel pretty strongly it's not going to be an Aussie dollar-related uh, risk affair, so... Um, not 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 looking at that too much. I'm happy to to hear your counter views if you think it will be. But I, yeah, I, I've seen a many 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 budgets. Aussie's very very um, unperturbed on that. We're looking more at dollar dollar CNH and those factors. Uh, there could be a couple of stocks that get impacted by this. The other one, of course, I talked about is 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 the equity moves. You know, Google, Microsoft. It's a whole plethora of names this week as we go. Forty seven percent of the uh, the S and P will be reporting throughout this week. So yeah, I think it's uh, probably one to leave alone. I want to have a look at your uh, your market for the day, Scott. What are you? Looking looking at yeah i'm looking i mean I've, I've looked at it before but it's tesla it's far and away our most traded stock um it's it's just caught my eye overnight it's unusual in the past it was unusual to see tesla down on a day when all the u.s indices were strong you know yeah. it used to trade very much as a risk asset um there's some talk of musk selling um another block of shares would seem to be waiting for confirmation of that what does it mean once he's done this time around what spin will he put on it? If it is the case, um, it's almost like we're waiting for the excuse for him selling that block. Um, so yeah, I've got my eye on that. Feels yeah, like touched touched two hundred bucks last night. Found a few buyers, closed not a million miles away from the highs of the session, but needs a bit of work for the uh, for the for the buyers to come in. It's not something I'd be touching. In fact, I think for if, if it was to make a close for two hundred bucks, I think this this is one to look at as a as a trend um, potential trend candidate on the on the downside. But it needs a bit of work to do to, to to really infuse. And we really need a break of 229 on Tesla to to get me going. The market I'm looking at is, um, well, Hang Seng, HShares, any of those bad boys, to be honest. I think uh, that's where we're going to see the flow today. Yeah, are we going to see that bounce that I talked about earlier? So, yeah, I can't, I can't go past those. Technically, they they look awful, don't they? But, you know, um, do we get that, that that mean reverting move based on sort of tactical headlines? That's what, I, what I'm going to be watching throughout the session. Uh, Scott, what is your fact of the day? Fact of the day today is humans have stripes. Um, they're known as Blaschko's lines, usually a V pattern on our backs and S-shaped swirls over our chests. They can be seen under UV light. Now, as cats and some dogs can detect UV light, if your pet gives you a funny look as you step out of the shower, it may be because they're admiring your stripes. There you go, mate. Well, do you reckon we could all become – do you reckon the – some of the sort of retailers might be thinking to themselves that we could all become human barcodes, just sort of leverage off our, <laughs> our natural stripes there. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, nice. All right, mate. All right, good. Well, uh, thank you for watching and listening. Well, thank you for listening to, to, to Open Outcry. We'll be back on, on Friday uh, for more of the same and, and reviewing some of the market moves anyway. Good day, Scott. Have a great day on the trading floors. Cheers, Chris. Yeah, all the best. Chat later in the week, mate. Bye-bye.